Welcome to our new episode of Ethnic Policy Podcast, where we discuss and discover topics around ethnicities, ethnic conflicts, and minority politics around the world. Ethnic Policy is a research entity concerning identity, ethnic-related studies, and news. Today, we will be discussing a topic that has rocked Europe for the past two decades, and that of Austria's ethnic makeup and its effects on politics in the region through the birth of the far right-wing movements. Here with us today is Tobias Hochstoger, a political scientist from Austria who did his master's in SOAS in international politics and his bachelor's at the University of Vienna in political science, where he worked on a lot of Nazi Germany and Austrian post-war history. Welcome, Tobias. Hey, Tarek. Glad to be here. Quite a interesting topic we have at hand. So, how about we we start off with uh, just giving me a little bit of insight over the origins uh, of Austrian the, of the Austrian um, Austrian Hungarian Empire to see where this ethnic makeup uh, comes from. Yeah. So um, when I when I was uh, preparing for this podcast and I was thinking about the topic, uh, I realized that the political landscape in Austria. Uh, just as in most other Western industrialized countries, is characterized by a great divergence of the various political positions on ethnicity and identity politics. And I realized that um, uh, actually identity and ethnic politics are at the heart of uh, Austrian politics um, without ever really realizing it because no one really talks of uh, identity politics in our country. So, and I, I realized that there is kind of a continuity. Um, so that's why I will start with a short uh, historical background, uh, uh, beginning in the, in the, in the uh, ending days of the Austrian-Hungarian empire. So what we can see when we have a look at the uh, Austrian-Hungarian empire um, around 1900, that there is a kind of a ambivalence so on the one hand, we have this enormous empire stretching over Central and Eastern Europe with many different ethnicities, such as uh, Czech people, Hungarian people, Slovakian people, Slovenian people, German people. Um, and around 1900, there was an increasing tension between the various ethnicities and the ruling, uh, ruling German-speaking elite in Austria. Um, so you have this you have this tradition of a, of, a, of, a, of a multinational empire. And on the other hand, uh, parallel to this, Austria developed also as one of the, the birthplaces of modern nationalism. Yeah? So at the end of the 19th century, we have German nationalists in Austria. And when I talk about uh, nationalists in this podcast, I mean Austrians, mm -hmm. which were, but their, their, their nationalist ideology was, um, so they saw themselves as Germans and they saw Austrians as German people and Austria as part of German culture. So there was no, no, uh, no separate Austrian identity. So uh, throughout this podcast, when I speak of German nationalists, I mean Austrians who, who, who were proponents of this ideology. Okay. So Austria is one of the birthplaces of modern nationalism at the end of the 19th centuries where German nationalists began to proclaim the unity and the superiority of, of German people. 
And for example, Hitler, who was born in Austria, um, lived there until his 20s before he moved to Munich. So he built up major parts of his later Nazi ideology in Austria and from those nationalists. <clears throat> so we have this kind of antagonism, uh, which will continue throughout the 20th century in mm -hmm. Austria. So um, yeah, at the end of the, of the First World War, we have a growing disparity between, between the different ethnicities in the, in the empire. Um, because the, most of the other ethnicities felt kind of uh, overpowered and saw so disparity in the power balance um, to their disadvantage. Um, and the rulers tried to, to rescue, the Austrian rulers tried to rescue the empire with concessions to the various ethnicities as they did in Hungary at the end of the 19th centuries, but it was already too late. So at the time of collapse, plans for a federal state were quite developed, but uh, the, the growing nationalism in the, in the other provinces of the, of the empire was already uh, too far. So in the end, the First World War as elsewhere in Europe um, was kind of, as historians call it, the primary catastrophe of the 20th century. Yeah. So, yeah. What remained of the empire after uh, World War One? Um, we have what we know today as Austria, with Vienna as the capital, but as the capital of the of the former empire, right? So, we have we have a country that is uh, mostly uh, 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 mostly uh, um, um, how how to, influenced by by farmers and agrarian yeah. culture, yeah. and then we have this multi uh, ethnical and, and multicultural, uh, 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 sorry, not empire, uh, capital, right? Yes, of course. So which was, which was, so what was left was uh, this small piece of land, which was dominated by the German speaking elite. <clears throat> um, yeah, this caused so a big issue. This caused, this caused identity crisis within also Austria because of the language disparities, no? Yes, absolutely. Um, so, what we had after World War uh, One was like smaller minorities, uh, for example, Slovenian people, Hungarian people, Croatian people that were now part of this new country, Austria, but uh, spoke new languages. In the beginning, this was not that big or that much of a problem um, because especially in the case of, of Slovenians, um, so uh, Slovenians in Austria, they live in the, in the southernmost uh, region of Austria, which is Corinthia. And they, they had the, the choice. They could, they, they could choose between uh, belonging to Yugoslavia or Austria. And most of them opted uh, for Austria. Um, and in the beginning, there were, you know, there were two kinds of schools. Uh, Slovenian schools, German schools, and they were promised that their culture, that they will still be able in Austria to live their culture. Um, it was more than a problem when, with the rise of the National Socialism and the, the, the Nazi ideology, which was, which was uh, strongly uh, ethnical, um, they were forbidden to have their own schools, to, to speak their own language, right? So that was also a reason why, for example, many Slovenians joined the partisans against the Germans. So uh, in addition to the, to the um, ethnical factor, there was now this political factor 
and especially Corinthia was a major playground for, for German nationalists in Austria throughout the 20th century and also um, for Slovenians. And many of the Slovenians, for example, because they were partisans and mm -hmm. because they opposed this, this uh, uh, nationalism, uh, for example, were, were, were involved in the, uh, in the Socialist Party, right? So in addition to the ethnic dimension, you now have the political dimension as well, which was especially strong in, in Corinthia. I think it just became better in the past 15, 20 years. Okay, so within the trend of the decade. Yeah, was a big issue, was a big, was a big issue throughout the 20th century. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, we have now, so after, after the First World War, where we have um, the, the peak of, of, Nazi, of German nationalism with the Nazi ideology, the reign of the Nazis, Second World War, and the yeah. outgrowth of, of a racial ideology, which was just based on, 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 on or at its core, purely uh, ethnic politics, and which ended the, in, the, in the death of millions of people. Exactly, which um, I wanted to interrupt you on this. Um, yeah. Over here, you 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 discussed with me before uh, the German uh, the German Nazi term for uh, tribe or ethnicity, which is like nationalism. Yeah. Which is uh, I I might be pronouncing this wrong, but it's Volkish. 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 Can yes, you can you yes. like can you highlight that? Because if we're gonna move into the Nazis uh, Nazi territory, I'd like you to like yeah. highlight that as a start <laughs> as a starting point. Um. Especially um, um, like uh, Nazis, so it is this kind of uh, a Völkisch ideology, and Völkisch means like in uh, you wouldn't use this word anymore. It's a bit old-fashioned. It means like kind of tribe, and it was this like uh, uh, this ideology, you know, uh, as we in German they they say like uh, uh, um, blood and soil. Like it's really about where are you from where are your parents, your grandparents, you know, where, okay. where so it's really about uh, uh, who are your ancestors and just so there's, where your there's roots no, are from. Yeah, yeah. No way to decide somehow or, or, or for, for any kind of mixed ethnicities, you know, you're, wow. you're either from this race or that race. Uh, okay. So, and yeah, so, and like modern uh, uh, right-wing movements, they, they yeah. often, um, um, they often develop a new kind of, of nationalism, which is not Völkisch, because uh, Völkisch was through due to the to the to the dark history of national socialism in the Second World War. It was not a political slogan where you could really gain any political advantage uh -huh. apart from a few hardcore Nazis after the war. So they had to develop a, a new branding. Uh, so it's like neo for their messages. Yeah, yeah. Or, or some of them say it's now it's now returning again. This Belkish, okay. um, you know, in, in, in this environment of clash of cultures thing and, and so on. Wow. But they don't they don't call it Völkisch. Yeah, they, they find different slogans for it. They they, yeah. they try really to avoid this branding as Völkisch because Völkisch means really something um it's really this picture of, uh, uh, of, of, of Nazis from the 1930s. It's very old fashioned and, and it's really linked to, to, uh, to the dark history of national socialism. Wow. A lot of dark history there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. absolutely. <clears throat> so yeah, please do tell me about, tell us about this uh, further within the Nazis and post-World War II reign and the consequences that they really yeah. overtook. So, 
Yeah. So, um, yeah. So far about the uh, Austrian-Hungarian Empire and yeah. Austria as the, the birthplace of, of, of German nationalism and, and also partly of the Nazi ideology. I will make now a small jump and, and start with post-war Austria. Mm -hmm. um, so, because that's usually the point where Austrians say that um, a separate Austrian identity, um, which was not linked to the idea of Austrians as Germans, uh, slowly but increasingly developed after the establishment of the Second Republic in Austria, uh, after the, the, the collapse of, of Nazi Germany. Mm -hmm. um, but however, the, the antagonism between this multi-ethnical tradition of the, of the Habsburg uh, Reich and Austria as a, as a conservative country or as a nationalist stronghold became less, but remained in, in certain aspects throughout the post-war years. Yeah. Um, so one, one big point I have about post-war Austria is, and that's the same, I think, for most of the European countries, but especially for, for Germany and Austria, because in, in, in contrast, for example, to the UK or to France, and these two countries, they had a, a colonial history which Austria, for instance, never had and, and which in Germany ended after the First World War. So there, uh, the, the, the Austrian population was for a long time very homogeneous, right? So just in Austria itself. Um, but through, throughout the, the, the post-war years, the, the population of Austria uh, diversified. Um, okay. especially through, through political events in surrounding countries, uh, which affected Austria as well. Um, and there are a number, uh, there are a few to mention, for example, um, the, Hungarian, the Hungarian revolt of uh, 1956 or the crackdown on the Prague Spring in 1968, um, where thousands of, of uh, refugees came to Austria and uh, Many of them left again, but also a, a substantial number stayed in Austria. Mm -hmm. Then you have the you have uh, Turkish uh, laborers and migrants coming in the 1960s and 70s in big numbers to Austria and Germany, and for sure the fall of the of the Soviet bloc and the Eastern bloc, um, which you have to imagine before before the collapse of the Soviet Union there was the Iron Curtain, so it was basically. Uh, there was nothing beyond yeah, that. Exactly. It was like a, it was like a, a hard border. Block. Yes, a super hard border. And I was once talking to the uh, Austrian ambassador in Turkey, in Ankara, and he was telling me a very interesting story. He, and he said to me that after the, the fall of the Soviet Union, Austria basically continued with its role as a gate to Eastern Europe. So, um, and we're seeing that today. Yeah, absolutely. And throughout throughout the, the refugee crisis, it still acted as such. Absolutely, so it absolutely. Continued that role. And it's pretty ironic. especially, yeah, and especially the the collapse of, of Yugoslavia um, was probably the most important event in that sense because uh, uh, I think two hundred thousand refugees or something came wow. from, from former Yugoslavia to Austria and many of them many of them uh, stayed in Austria. So for example, I can give you a few numbers. Um, Please. There are around 90,000 uh, Bosnian people in Austria 
we have one of the biggest Serbian diasporas after after Germany in the United oh, States wow. with approximately 300,000 people. And yeah, so um, the, that's pretty the, incredible. You know, yeah, I never the, knew that 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 Austria's past had quite a lot of a refugee intake. So it, it has a history with refugee intake and uh, and outflow in terms of uh, of being a stepping stone to cross into Western Europe and uh, from yeah. Eastern Europe. That is completely uh, interesting. Yeah. Wow. It it definitely it definitely has it definitely has. And for example, another another story when in 1989, uh, the Hungarian um, foreign minister and the Austrian foreign foreign minister cut the, the iron curtain. Um, okay. Hundreds of, of Hungarian refugees uh, immediately uh, across Rushed. the border. Yes. Wow. And, and went went to Austria. So. Um, the country definitely has this history of of, of being a, a, a safe haven for for refugees uh, in, in in the post war years. Definitely, um, yeah. And that sought a full diversification of the population. That's why the ethnic makeup now comes with a, yeah. lot, of a lot of differences. But also, doesn't it? This also brings in um, brings in a sort of tension within and a brewing among the nationalists that follow and follow this anti that people coming and taking their jobs people coming and messing around with the makeup quote unquote ethnic makeup of the of the country um yeah can you tell me about that please like yeah absolutely um so it is it is no it is actually no surprise or, or a logical consequence that uh, austrian domestic politics would diversify too if the population becomes more uh, uh diverse so um, the, the, there is a, a significant year, which was 1986, um, which is usually considered as a, as a, as a, a, a very remarkable year in Austrian politics because it really changed the political landscape for years and, and shaped it um, to big parts uh, uh, to, its, to its current uh, shape. So... Mm -hmm. 1986 is very special in Austrian politics because it's usually considered as a big rupture in the political history of the country. Because while, while Austria was ruled until then by two parties, that's the, the Conservative People's Party and the Social Democratic Party, um, the, the general elections in that year heralded the end of this two-party rule. Um, so, and I will explain you a bit more. Please. Um, basically, the, the, the elections in 1986 uh, saw the emergence of two new parties, the Green Party and the Freedom Party, which are interestingly also the two parties that, that have, that uh, portray the, the, the two most extreme positions on ethnic uh, or identity politics in Austria. On the spectrum. Yes, on the spectrum. On two, two, the most, two ends the most, of the Yes, the most diverging uh, positions we have in Austria. Okay. The Green Party kind of emerged uh, within a protest in, in the Austrian forest of Heinburg, where authorities planned to build a, a, a big water plant. And, mm -hmm. and this protest grew to a big national pro uh, move, protest movement among young people and kind of marked the beginning of the environmental movement in Austria. Um, and resulted in the, in the in the founding of the Green Party, which which succeeded to get into parliament in 1986. 
Um, on the other hand, we have uh, uh, the Freedom Party, the right-wing Freedom Party, which was until then a very small party. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when in 1986, uh, uh, Jörg Haider took power in the freedom, within the Freedom Party, um, this completely changed. So he transformed the Freedom Party from a small party of, of elitist German nationalists to a broad populist right-wing movement, which portrayed itself as the defending power of indigenous Austrians and the, mm-hmm. the fighter for the, for the small man. Um, and Jörg Haider is, is often considered as a kind of godfather of right-wing populist populism. Um, okay. Because with, with, with his person, um, ethnicity and identity would become the guiding fac- factor in the, in the programmatic of the Freedom Party. Um, throughout his whole political career and, and even later. So it's still, this is the dominating factor in, within the politics, even uh, fifth, almost 15 years after Haider has died. Um, so there were, for do you example- think he, uh, Do you think he, he, he inspired uh, many others in the region, so, such as uh, Orban and uh, in, Hung- in Hungary and uh, and even, or you could even say uh, France, France as uh, Le Pen. Um, or, or would would you be able I, to? Would, yeah, yes, are these comparable? I, I, I think so. I think so because he came. His parents were were were, uh, were Nazis, so he okay. came from such a household. But on the other hand, he was intelligent enough to realize, okay, he has to develop a kind of a new narrative. Exactly. To to widen. The, the audience for this party, right? Yeah. Um, and he was very determined to do so. And many people consider him as a as one of the greatest political talents we had ever in Austria. Wow. But but yeah, he, he was kind of a demagogue. Like he 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 used it for, for his purpose. So but he I mean there is probably no no right wing uh, party in Europe that has this long tradition as the Freedom Party, for example, they were for, they were three times in a government already back in the 1980s and mm-hmm. in the early 2000s. So they were already, they had already a very influential positions long before other right-wing movements like uh, uh, AFD in Germany or Salvini in Italy or the Le Pen's in France yeah. um, had, had this kind of prominency. And he, he he made he was very successful, for example, with with his campaigns, um, and 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 many many of the campaigns we see today of the freedom parties uh, are still the same he concepted in the in the nineteen nineties. Okay. For for example, um, his slogans he 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 defined slogans like Austrians first, or he he the party always portrayed itself as the party for native Austrians. Yeah, that is that was their own speech. That's how they, they call themselves on, wow. on, 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 on banners, party for native wow. Austrians. Yeah. And in so how did the, how did the Slovenians, for example, and the, 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 all these minorities look into such a, such a party? I, I think apart from Corinthia, where, where the Slovenians live, it is not, this, 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 uh, uh, it is not that kind of an issue because, okay. for example, in, in Burgenland, where, where, where the Hungarian and the Croatian minority lives, um, 
it's a stronghold of the Social Democratic Party. So they rule there for I don't know how many decades, and mm -hmm. and and so it's there's no there's no there's no opposition power then that really can make political advantage of it. While yeah. in Corinthia, this was this was pretty much the case. So um, because the the nationalism was going through all kinds of parties. So yeah. uh, conservative, social democrats, and a uh, right-wing freedom party. You might wonder why I, I talk uh, all the time about the freedom party and the right, um, but this is just uh, due to the simple fact that they 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 dominated uh, the politics and especially the narrative on on, on 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 ethnicity and identity for for years. Um, for example, I I recently read a. a for, while preparing for this uh, podcast, I was reading a, a, a journal article mm -hmm. by an Austrian political scientist, and he was uh, stating that the Freedom Party's power and influence in the debate and in the in the, in in the whole discourse was far beyond their real political power in Parliament, and this was just because other parties were kind of exposed. To the narrative and had no idea what to oppose. So um, there was, from especially from the left spectrum, really no no answer, or or, or they were not united in this question, and they were basically uh, absent for for, mm -hmm. for a long time. Um, so so um, it was it was really slowly the 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 the, the freedom party which made politics. Um, with their narrative and their agenda. And what was the Green Party doing in the meantime, though? They, they, the the Green Party emerged from emerged from from two different uh, movements. One was uh, uh, the kind of uh, classical environmental movement in Austria, which was mm -hmm. more kind of uh, uh, linked to conservatism or to moderate conservative conservatism. And, and, and so these were often people with a, with a, with a, with a conservative background mm -hmm. somehow. And then you, you had this uh, uh, young alternative movement, right? Uh, um, especially uh, uh, involved in that protest movement against this water plan. So there was also in the Green Party this, this question of two different wings, but I would say in the in the first 20 or 25 years of the Green Party, identity politics were not really that big on their agenda. It was more like uh, uh, environmental issues, anti-corruption. Okay. Yeah. And in the meantime, um, the Freedom Party took took over the identity narrative. Yes, I think they really they really they really dominated. Or their their narrative really dominated. I mean, still dominates, but mm -hmm. they really dominated this debate. I would say until ten or fifteen years ago, this was the the time where I would say when I was in school, where 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 slowly other parties realized, okay, we 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 have to to define our own narrative. We have to find a position um, somehow. Okay. Um, yeah. So that's that's about the the Green Party. Yeah. So can you go 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 forward with 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 more about the Freedom Party's um, agenda yeah, yeah. when you want? So yeah, yeah. So you you ask me if if on Haider's role and and 
and I, I told you that he is by some considered as the, the godfather of, of right yeah. populism. So um, uh, certainly he influenced other movements as well because his party became very influential at a, at a, at a point where, 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 where others, other countries of Europe, there, there, were, there were no such parties, right? So for example, in 1999, uh, uh, the Freedom Party became the second strongest party yeah, elections with almost twenty-seven uh, percent, and we have to realize this was in a time where there was basically no crisis, no euro crisis, or, 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 or uh, refugee crisis, or any kind of uh, environment we have today. You know, where they're yeah. very successful as well. Full already in the early nineties in in portraying a picture of Austria, like if it would be full of corrupted politicians, uh, kind of invading foreigners and, and you know, like that, that, that are, 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 are a danger for, for indigenous Austrian people. And, and many people really believed it. And he was very successful with this kind of politics. For example, in, in 1993, he started a petition called the Petition for Austrians. Where, yeah. where, where they, yeah, yeah, where they were pushing for like you know this more money for Aust for indigenous Austrian whatever that means and 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 things like that and so he was very successful with that but also it is a very polarizing party so it was founded by uh, former Nazis after the war so also because of that um, many people really avoid it. Uh, so for many people, it is a no-go. They, 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 they say like, over my dead body, I'm, I'm voting for the Freedom Party. Um, wow, that's so, pretty intense for yeah. intense dialogue. Yeah, yeah. So, so there, there are natural limits, I would say, for their success. Mm. Um, and so, for example, while Haider was very successful with his, with his politics, um, his politics were also, and he himself as a politician and as a person were, were highly polarizing. Yeah. For example, when he started this, this petition for Austrians in 1993, one of the biggest crowds ever in Austria gathered uh, in the center of Vienna, I think around 300,000 people to, to, oppose, to oppose his, his racist uh, politics. So that's, that's also an example that... Um, it kind but of. But how did the minorities? Um, how do minorities deal? Like, how do they? How did they, they? How did these ethnic minorities deal with the back, the backlash or the growing sentiment or or more resentment against them through through even have did they go for example to, to to the Green Party and did they did they seek backing from the Green Party or did they have their own methods of of really like tackling these I, issues while they're coming up? I think one of the biggest issues. Uh, until very recently was that um, in most of the parties, uh, people with a migration background were not really involved or were not really participating. Or if they were participating, then somewhere in the lower ranks, you know? Okay. So that is one reason. As I told you now, this example of resistance, um, so it, it prompted a lot of resistance, but not, not really from political parties or, or, or not through, 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 uh, uh, through, through political channels. Um, they they had no real clear message how what so is post. it safe to say so is it safe to say that like even with the history of all these refugees moving in and out the the the, the actual 
the actual concept of of this of, of like migration and minorities wasn't as big as a as an issue politically because however from well it was only one sided politically but the other side was just not dealing with it and didn't seem didn't see it as something of a of a of a risk or a danger while this this yeah. this, this it was growing and growing from the other side and populism was on the rise so it's kind fascinating to see how 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 one could have how the other party or the other side or any other party could have really like tackled this issue and and created and fostered a counter but they just didn't yeah absolutely i mean especially the the social democratic party i think was very comfortable for years because they because they they are uh, Vienna Vienna is a stronghold of the social democrats already for 100 years so they could always rely on 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 certain uh, diasporas there mm. but i think for a long time they were very comfortable to really or to seriously include them into the debate and especially into into political participation um, i mean this has this has changed a lot in the in the last 15 years especially the green party in vienna and the, the social democrats um you, yeah you, do tell and, me what happened with, with, with throughout the like over over the course yeah you 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 you, you will find now uh, uh, many many different politicians uh, especially in these two parties uh, that have a, a, a kind of a migration background so for example there's a, a, a young parliamentarian female parliamentarian in vienna where, or whose parents are from from the DRC from Congo, right? Or mm. you have you have some uh, famous politicians with with a Turkish background or Kurdish background. Okay. Um, there is one one M, one PM with a with a with a Polish background. So yeah, it in the in the past few years, I think this has changed a lot. So um, and what happened with the Freedom uh, Party? So they were um, so basically. High, they they came into government in the early 2000s, okay. and and yes, into a, uh, they 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 formed a, a coalition with the with the conservatives, um, which prompted a lot of anger in Austria because um, a lot of people felt like that they somehow stole the election um, mm-hmm. because the conservatives became the the third strongest party and the the. The Freedom Party became the second strongest. So what happened was that the conservatives made a deal with the Freedom Party and said, "Okay, we we will we will we will we will form a government and with your help." And the Freedom Party agreed. Sorry, just I wanted to interrupt you. Ask you how basically, but how did this Freedom Party come go from being up, up like very on the side to becoming the second biggest? What was what brought that rise? Was it was it 9/11, for example, that prompted a lot of inspection no. into like what what does, did did something happen that caused this shoot up into from last to second place? He, uh, as I told you, he was Haider was was very was I mean he was first of all he was a very intelligent man. He he was a, 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 a educated as a as a lawyer. He studied law and he he was. He, he like especially if you if you talk with people from Corinthia and that's where where he started his political career he still have has a, a, a big followership there and many mm-hmm. people tell you for example it, it sounds very very banal to us but many people tell you that he knew everyone by name 
he saw you, he shaked your hand and he saw you like three months later and 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 and, and your name, you. something like that. Wow. And that is okay. what would what, what impressed many people. He was a charismatic person, or he would, you know, especially for old people, and he was very yeah, he he, he was he was a charismatic person and he was he was I think in his methods he was mm -hmm. he really pioneered this this uh, populist uh, methods in politics. For example, yeah. one day uh, one day he went with 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 uh, 100 euro notes in the center of Klagenfurt, that's the biggest uh, city Corinthia, and gave it to to poor people, things like that. Wow. You know? So okay. so and and that's that's yeah that's something that that impresses people. Of course. But these right? are short-term gains. Um, but they so, do make a difference, definitely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and with his campaigning, as I told you, like this this campaign, for example, this petition for Austrians and things like that. Um, many of these campaigns and slogans are still used um, by the Freedom Party and other politicians. They use it one to one the same way. So yeah, um, in that sense, he was he was he was very successful. Um, to to widen the audience of the party and another 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 one of his methods was that he always um created this picture of the rest of the political uh, as, as if the rest of the political uh, uh uh landscape would be full just with corrupted politicians you know that that working in their own in their own pockets and things like that and mm. he was very successful in that really believed it and 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 yeah so that's how he how he step by step somehow and it's definitely also linked to his to his person because i don't think uh another person would would have been that successful so okay um, interesting so he managed really yeah he managed really to 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 make this party big from worth yeah, checking from into more I, I will definitely check more into uh, into his persona but yeah back to where you were saying how they got to second place and they they formed a yes. an alliance with the, the government with the, yes, the, yes yeah and there um this story also uh tells a lot about the the freedom party and the person of Haida because um observers were always <laughs> saying also that he's a destructive character He's very successful in, in building something up or doing opposition politics, but he's not able, and that's something observers uh, still say about the Freedom Party, um, that they are not able to really form a government or mm -hmm. uh, a sustainable government. So what happened, Haida was for four years in, or the Freedom Party was for for four years in government. He, he himself was not part of the government because um, um, it was, you know, it cost a lot of, uh, uh, Tension also abroad, wow. as for example, the EU, the EU, the EU uh, uh, um, pointed sanctions towards Austria. Okay. Um, so he, because of he, he, he because of Haida, because of Haida and 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 the the, the right wing style of his politics, you know, okay. the uh, um, the racist the racist uh, component in his politics. Okay. Which is also very interesting because when you look uh, into the EU of today, you will find many, many of parties like the Freedom Party of 20 years from 20 years ago, and and there is not uh, the same amount of criticism. So, 
Um, That's very true. It, 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 20 years ago, we became, were less it, tolerant, which yeah. was better in a sense. Absolutely. Less tolerant absolutely. Of, of, of these racism. But now it's more uh, free-flowing or more yeah, prevalent absolutely. within the EU. Yeah. Absolutely. It became, unfortunately, a bit of state of the art to deal with, with uh, these kind of, of uh, right-wing parties. Yeah. So, but yeah. what, what Haider did was uh, he, he split then in 2004, he, he founded a new party and he split this party with all the, the government members from his old party, the Freedom Party. So overnight wow. and continued the government, uh, the coalition with the conservatives with this small party. So overnight, the Freedom Party was basically without a leader, was uh, uh, at many depths. And um, at that time, many observers were, were, were saying that they won't survive this move. Like they really thought that they, um, this, this would be, this would be uh, basically the death of the, of the Freedom Party. Freedom Party, wow. What a, a fast fall, fast rise, fast fall. Yeah, absolutely. They, they, they managed. Uh, they managed. Um, they managed to survive somehow. They appointed or appointed a new leader, uh, Heinz mm. Christian Strache, um, who would remain the, the the head of the party until uh, 2019. And he, similarly as Haider, uh, started to build up the party from very small with the same messages, the same agenda. Only I think a bit radical, more radical. Mm -hmm. um, and built it up again until they were very successful again, until they, they came into government again. What we can see always when we look at the Freedom Party is the interest, we can see it now as well. Once they are out of government, their messages became more and more radical. Like, like and once they, they are able to, to, to gain a wider followership, they become more mild, at least in their language. They, they try to act as, as more like a, a, a like uh, a, a leading party or, or, or however you want to call it, yeah? Definitely. So, and uh, Strache was definitely not the same kind of charisma as Haider, mm -hmm. um, but also he was very successful. Um, he had this, this, this easy slogans like, you know, more money for our Austrians, and things like okay. that, or like um, less less tense, direct, extreme, confrontational methods, but more economic ones. Also, uh, in economic ways, yes. Um, and and for example, one slogan they had was like "Pumering instead of Muizin." And Pumerin, that's the that's the bell of the of the Saint Stephen's Church in Vienna. That's the biggest church in Vienna. Okay. Uh, like a uh, very famous, probably the most famous touristic site in Vienna. And okay. that was was for example one one slogan they used, right? And oh, was it Pumerin instead of Muetzin, which is that's the uh, that's the that's the German word for the for the for the Muslim Imam praying. Oh from wow! The, from, yeah. From the mosque so, so it went to religious tensions rather than yeah absolutely yeah. very 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 yes very very radical language yeah especially when it when it came to to muslims yeah okay so there was a shift in in in, in resentment of ethnicities to resentment of religious so from ethnic minorities to religious minorities yes I, think, I mean um 
I think uh, um, this this religious agenda was already a thing also in the 1990s, but it definitely uh, uh, became more and more important for the Freedom Party uh, in the in the late 2000s and, and mm-hmm. now. Um, yes. So That's basically, right. yeah. For example, like one example, um, they they were very strong for 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 some time among the certain diaspora, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is by majority Christian, right? Yes. So they have this, they have this they have this uh, uh, interesting links. It's it's always the same with all uh, right wing movements. So they have yeah. this interesting links. So basically, they're as you said, yeah, their 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 agenda shifted from from this uh, ethnical city, yeah, yeah, from ethnicity to to religion, and that's also something coming back to to what we talked earlier that. Turkish nationalism from the Nazis, yes. which was highly linked to ethnicity, um, it was not the case. Yeah, shifted. Oh, and for example, okay. also they 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 for for quite a few years they 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 really tried to make uh, links with with the Jewish community in Austria and mm-hmm. um, with the with the Israeli right. So also this kind of new new alliance. Wow! So they, uh, they made yeah. alliances cross border alliances. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They they are very they were very pro-Russian. Like they even had a, a, a kind of a, a a treaty or something with with Vladimir Putin's party in mm-hmm. Russia. They were very close with the Le, Le Pen movement in France. They were okay, very close with Salvini. So yeah. at the peak at the peak of the Freedom Party's power in 2016, 270, you you would always see Strache uh, traveling to France or to to mm-hmm. Italy. Um, Making pictures with Salvini and and Marine Le Pen um, and also with the German AFD, because I think a lot of these movements were really kind of jealous on the Freedom Party yeah. because they were so successful that they were even able to make it into government in Austria. Because that's what, for example, they are absolutely not able to do in in Germany or in France. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so so like Austria was like a sort of breeding ground not breeding ground but a testing ground per se of how it could look yes. within within a good a big a, a european community so after when did the when did the right uh, the freedom party fall and now i know that we have the conservative green government since 2019 yes. so can you tell me about this 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 shift yeah yeah and yeah. what it brought with it so um basically the the elections in in in, in 2017 uh, brought this this big uh, change in Austria we were already waiting for years because we mm. had a, a government formed by the the Conservative People's Party and the Social Democrats for yeah since 2006 so more than 10 years and in the end it was a very lame coalition and people were kind of uh, yeah kind of angry and and, and uh, they were they were fed up by it to say it yeah. this way and um, the one aspect is that the social democrats usually say that they are not making a coalition with the freedom party um so because i think it would it would uh it would make it would cause a lot of anger among mm-hmm. its votership so that's one uh another aspect why why this the rise of the freedom party was laming austrian politics for years so but on the other hand um the conservatives 
they always said we 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 will form a, a coalition with every party, even the Freedom Party. And when Sebastian Kurz took over the the Conservative Party, mm-hmm. many observers already believed that he would he would form a new government with the Freedom Party. Oh, so wow. Many many observers were just waiting for, and it was also clear that there will be new elections. And yeah. it was just a question, when will the elections take place? And will will the conservatives and Sebastian Kurz form a government with the Freedom Party? So what happened then? Um, we had elections, the old, old uh, coalition broke up and uh, the conservatives uh, won the election and formed a government with the Freedom Party. Mm-hmm. And for for one and a half years, it really seemed like a dream wedding. Like uh, the conserv- the conservatives adopted much of the narrative from from already already uh, before the election. Yeah, much of the much of the narrative and much of the language from the from the Freedom Party. Or let's say they they had the same almost the same message, but in a bit of a softer language. Okay. That was that was kind of their 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 uh, success uh, recipe. Exactly. So, so for one and a half years, uh, um, this coalition uh, went very well for the two parties. Um, but then this, I don't know, maybe you 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 read it in the news. It it, it was a big, really big thing. Um, the 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 coalition suddenly. Uh, uh, Broke up because there there popped up a video, kind of a leaked video, yeah. where they filmed the, the vice chancellor and the head of the Freedom Party, and another very high-ranking politician of the Freedom Party, uh, during during uh, the holiday 2017 in Ibiza, where they were drunk, and uh, there was a small. It is still unclear who. Who made this video and why they made it? If there was money behind it, or that's still not really clear. Um, okay. But what is clear is this video meant the end of the political career of these two politicians and the end of the coalition. But because, what was the video containing? Yeah, yeah the, the this investigative team was was acting as as uh, uh, the niece of a famous uh, Russian uh, billionaire, and they 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 were uh, preparing a trap for Strache telling okay. him that they were interested in investing in Austria. And they kind of caught in on tape. Um, they were, for example, uh, talking about how to, to, buy, to buy the majority in one of the biggest or in, in the biggest uh, Austrian newspaper and how to, to bring it in line with, with the Freedom Party's agenda. They were talking about how, how they kind of... Uh, could take advantage from the, from 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 uh, from the ministries if if the Freedom Party is in power and things like that. Um, although there is no evidence that ever such things really happened, um, this was this was this was the end of his logically of his political career. Wow. So one day after this video uh, was published in in the German newspapers in in, in Spiegel and the Süddeutsche Zeitung, uh, Strache stepped back and uh, I think. Three or four days after it, um, uh, Sebastian Kurz uh, cancelled the, the coalition with the Freedom Party. Then uh, we had new elections scheduled for uh, October 
And during this period, which is very, very interesting as well, we had a kind of an expert government. Like, okay. like a technocratic no government. Yeah, ex ex yeah. exactly. Yeah, technocratic government. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Like, you, so I, I didn't know Austria also tends, I, I always thought that Austria had a form of technocratic governments, a form of technocratic politicians, or are they all coming from political backgrounds? No, no. Like for example, Lebanon now is pushing for a technocratic government because yeah. they want everyone to be an expert and non-politically aligned. But Austria is dealing with the same thing. So Austria, a small period of time, where it was just technocrats. And how did that go? No, no, no. <clears throat> no, um, they are all coming from parties. Okay. <clears throat> and especially post-post-war Austria, so the Second Republic, it was, it was built on, on because uh, before the Second World War and before the Nazis took power in Austria, there was, we had a civil war where where a conservative government was fighting against social democrats and uh because they all had kind of militias yeah and several hundreds of people died so after after the second world war the new republic was was really built on the consensus that because also uh politicians from all different parties like conservatives social democrats mm -hmm. communists mm -hmm. Were, 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 for example, uh, imprisoned in concentration camps. So it was really built on the, on the, on the agenda that, on, that politicians from both camps have to, to, to make decisions uh, in consent and that something like a second world war or the civil war should never happen again. Yeah. Um, the, the result of this, uh, of this, um, of this uh, agreement was that Austria until 1986, what we spoke before, was basically ruled by two parties and the whole country was split up by two parties. There was a bank for, for social Democrats, there was a bank for conservatives. Mm -hmm. every, every kind of thing you can Jeez. imagine, you had it for social Democrats. That's a very similar thing for in Lebanon. That's completely very similar, yeah. very parallel. Because we have the same things, blah, blah, blah. But back yeah. to what we were saying in the beginning, on. On okay, fast forward to 2019, we were talking about. Yeah, so um, the most recent development in 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 Austria is that uh, since 2019, we uh, when the new elections took place, uh, where where Sebastian Kurz and the Conservatives uh, came out as the the winner again, mm -hmm. um, we have a new government uh, formed by the Conservative. People's Party and the Green Party. But this Conservative and, Party is uh, is has fo is following the the narrative of the Freedom Party in a religious and in, in a uh, anti-religious anti-other religious minority aspect, or is it not? Um, I would say so. So that's one thing. Uh, I mean, the government is still very young, but what we can see so far is that the narrative on identity and ethnicity is fully dominated by the conservative party. Mm -hmm. um, and as I told you before, they almost uh, completely adopted it from the, from the Freedom Party, just yeah. uh, packed it into a softer language. And for example, there was very big tension a few months ago when uh, you remember the news when, when uh, about the, the, the refugees in, on that Greek island on Moria. Yes, In, in their camps, yes. And there was a very, very big debate on uh, about evacuating 100 children from that island. And mm -hmm. 
the conservatives were and the freedom party they were against it and all the other parties uh, agreed only the greens they they voted also against it with together with the wow. conservatives just to save the the coalition what they say i don't think wow. that the, this would have meant the end for the coalition but this is for the green party this it is a, real a problem. change of tides yeah absolutely because because it caused a lot of anger among the supportership uh, it really caused a lot of anger and there are several such uh, uh, examples already and they kind of really have i think kind of a problem now to to defend these moves mm -hmm. um, so wow, especially okay. uh, in, 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 on the other hand, uh, uh, the conservatives now uh, uh, adopt this narrative of, you know, of environmental issues and, and yeah. climate change. So but on identity, they, it's the other way around. No, it's absolutely the other way around. So, so what, do we, do, what are we expecting now from Austria in the coming years? How, how, when's the next election, for example, in Austria? Um, should be in 2024. So every okay. five years we have a general election. Yeah. And what are we um, expecting from now until 2024? What kind of Austria are we looking into? It's really hard to say. I personally, I personally don't believe that this government will will uh, will uh, will will remain for the next four years. Okay. I. Especially the Greens, uh, uh, the Green Party is, is is really now in in, in kind of a a, 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 a catch a catch twenty two. Okay. As you say like whatever they do, uh, uh, it's for them it's a big disadvantage here yeah, in the crisis. Yeah, you could wow. also say so. Um, if this situation continues for them, I think in the next election, um, this could really cause a big problem for them and 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 causing a lot of voters. Uh, shifting, for example, to the Social Democrats or, or the Liberal Party. And what is but, uh, what are the ethnic minorities uh, dealing with when it comes to or, or like where do they stand now within Austria? Are they are they on the back? Are they on the back foot? Are they uh, they well? Clearly, they're at a very big disadvantage. Uh, but are they are they are there are there issues arising from their them being there, or is is, is are things changing? I think the the real task for politics, political parties in Austria is um, because we are already for years now in an immigration country, yeah? and as we spoke mm -hmm. before, the population has diversified a lot. Um, to define another narrative, a positive narrative, which includes all Austrians, right? Also, the if you want to call them new ones, mm -hmm. so to really to include them. Also, the Austrians with migration background, as well, and 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 make political gain from it, and not to leave this arena uh, solely to the to the right or to to politicians who 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 want to make uh, 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 who have this very short viewed uh, uh, thinking to to make a political gain of of mm -hmm. this of this of this of this demagog demagogic uh, uh, messages. Yeah. Okay. I, I think when I think, for example, about Germany, I think uh, they it, it, it works better there. Still, they have a lot of problems, but I think in Austria, we are far more behind in that sense. Okay. But on the other hand, uh, you, you see, nevertheless, that, that uh, things are changing. For example, when you look at the Austrian football national team, uh, our best footballers are people with 
with migration background, like such yeah. as Marco Marco Anautovic, who played in the Premier League, David Alaba, mm -hmm. uh, who plays with Bayern Munich, right? Veli uh, uh, Kavlak and uh, who played for Besiktas. So soft so, powers are showing are showcasing the power, the, the the benefits and absolutely, the absolutely. positives of having such a diverse uh, yes. backgrounds. But politics are still playing politics. Sorry, but politics are playing politics. They're still yes. sticking with the whole agenda shifting, Abs yes. pointing blames at everyone, etc. I think the the cultural power is 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 way more important or way mm -hmm. more influential in, in 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 the case of Austria. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, for example, also when you look uh, to Vienna and 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 you see all these these food stalls with the kebab, right? The kebab yeah. sandwich. Um, I mean, it's it's clearly different from a, from a kebab you buy in Turkey, um, but this is like the Turner sandwich. is is like a really I would say invent Turkish migrants in 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 Germany and Austria, and it's it's a very uh, like cultures are melting, and this is also a interesting thing. Um, so you have you have you have these new diaspora cultures, yeah, uh, which are different from from like if you want to say like Turkey, uh, if we take the example of the kebab and which also brings something new to Austria. And for example, I think even conservative people in Austria uh, like eating kebab. kebab sometimes, right? <laughs> of course. Yes, they like it. They, they see, they, they see, see the benefits. See the, yeah, so I want to wrap, see as an I wanna wrap thing, this yeah. up. I want to ironically wrap this up as we're talking about kebab with one last note on, on a, a, a topic that we might actually have to stay on for a while longer because this is a very interesting topic. Just okay. last month, there was an issue. <laughs> uh, there, was a, there was a stabbing, a terrorist shooting in, in Vienna. Yeah. And it was uh, carried out by, uh, by, if I'm not mistaken, a Tunisian or a, a member of the Arab community uh, with a Muslim background. Or was um, he someone from it, a No, no, he was, he, he was from Chechenia. Chechnya, exactly. A Muslim yeah. background, a Chechen from Muslim background. This comes yeah. off the off the back of as well terrorist uh, beheading in in France and another shooting and stabbing in France. So a lot of people were looking into how both France and Austria dealt with uh, the dealt with the issues right after they happened. France, there was a huge backlash after Macron's um, Macron's uh, his, his, his speech regarding Islam and the and the Enlightenment. Austria, however, was commended for its uh, for its reaction to 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 with dealing with 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 Muslims within the within the country. For example, there were there was uh, there, raids were carried out um, to 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 uncover and unleash these uh, these terrorist cells. But as a community, there wasn't as big of a of a clash against uh, the communities from the people. So the people weren't going in and 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 really riling against people from Muslim majority, Muslim backgrounds or people from Arab backgrounds or from Chechen backgrounds or whatnot. They, they played a very calm, central role. So can you, can, you, can you explain that from your point of view as being there? So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. I think one thing um, that contrasts Austria from France is that, uh, as we spoke before about the colonial legacy and history, um, until 20, 30 years ago, 
we we never had this problem, right? I think in, in France, this, mm -hmm. this is also linked, you know, to the colonial history, the war in Algeria and things like that. So it has many and different facets and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so I think the first big thing was that uh, most of Austria was really in shock because basically we are, we are, we are an oasis of freedom, as we say mm -hmm. in German. We, we haven't seen such a, a terrorist attack for 40 years. Yes, so for exactly 40 years. Of, yes, the last, the last attacks were, uh, were, were made by the, uh, by the Iranian government. They killed like uh, some Kurdish, Kurdish nationalists okay. in the 80s and by the Abu Nidal group. Okay. Um, in 1985 or something. But um, coming back to the question, so I think the country was really in shock because no one would ever um, thinking of, and when you walk into, through the center of Vienna, it's a very peaceful, uh, small uh, city, uh, yeah. small distances. So um, where everyone knows everyone, uh, kind of. So people were really in shock. And for example, I had one friend, he was trapped the whole night in, in, a, in a restaurant there. Wow. Because uh, the, uh, um, all the, the shops and restaurants were, were, were shutting up the doors and yeah. people were not, were not allowed to leave until, until the police told them so to do so uh, somewhere in the night. <clears throat> so a lot of people were under shock. Um, another factor is for sure that um, this attack was kind of overshadowed by the, by the whole uh, corona pandemic. Of course. So for example, uh, the day after the attack, um, the lockdown in Austria started, which exactly. was one reason why, 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 why this terrorist carried out the attack on, on that particular day. Yeah. Because uh, people Everyone were, were gathering yeah, yeah, and enjoying the last night before the lockdown started. Mm -hmm. um, I personally uh, was at the side of the attack, uh, I think, Three or four years, uh, sorry, three or four days later, mm -hmm. and um, what I realized was there were, for example, uh, uh, several uh, uh, Turkish associations uh, uh, um, and to 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 uh, lay down uh, flowers and 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 speak prayers and things like that. So yeah, and and also many Austrians walking around. There were candles everywhere. So it seems like, um, at least for now, it it was like more like a, a, a collective thing that was bringing people rather together than really splitting them. Um, and even um, coming back to the Freedom Party already when, 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 when um, the news broke out that there was this attack in Vienna, mm -hmm. already during the, the police uh, mission, the, uh, one, one of the uh, most prominent politicians uh, was sending out messages on Twitter like, um, you know, this is a result of mass migration and everything yeah. like that. But they didn't but, really reverberate, did it? No, no, no. It, it kind of it, it sparked no reaction. So it, it was not very successful. Um, and also, for now, um, they they don't they don't send any messages out like this. So it mm -hmm. it seems it seems that it it did not really work for them. Um, what we see now is the 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 conservative. Uh, Party and the government um, tries now to 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 act like a 
kind of a strong force, you know, uh, as you mentioned, those police raids that happened in the days afterwards. But in fact, what came out uh, in the days after the attack was that, mm -hmm. the, for example, uh, the German and the Slovakian intelligence service know, know about this, this uh, terrorist already for months and they informed the Austrian Ministry of the Interior, but they were just not reacting. Just, wow. uh, just this summer, he, he went to Slovakia and trying to, to buy bullets and they informed the Austrian uh, police about it, but they, they did not really react. So okay. um, kind of, they, they tried to, I think, to, to also hide their own failure in that mm -hmm. case. But I think for now, it doesn't really seem that any 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 political party can gain major or, or tries to get major advantage out of this uh, uh, tragedy. So yeah, it seems more like yeah, it seems more like uh, it served more like as as an as a as a as an event that that brought people together together than, as opposed yes, to the uh, than, wow. than, than than splitting the Austrian society. Yeah, for now, for now. Yeah, uh, of course. That's that. Well, that's a perfect note to end on because shows the, the the like even with the history of the past two decades at least of the rise of the right yes yeah. it fell flat on its face and uh, and while it still exists uh, there is a cohesion amongst um, amongst many austrians and the minor ethnic minority uh, yeah. groups within <laughs> austria so thank you very much tobias for joining me today for this podcast and um and for anyone who has any questions, they can please uh, comment on uh, on on uh, on our podcast. On our uh, please follow us on our uh, Instagram page and on our Spotify playlist. Uh, thank you very much. I say thank you very much to you, and uh, I was glad to be part of your podcast today. And yeah, I hope that um, I could inform your audience a bit more on 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 the question of identity and ethnic politics in Austria.